What is up? What is going on? Welcome in to another brand spanking new episode of the Rebuild. Some heat to get you through this month of February. The months of January and February, especially like mid-February, like February 14th, 15th, is really, I think, every year when people in the Midwest reevaluate why they are living uh, in the Midwest. Or maybe just like why they don't have a summer home. I love the Midwest. obviously love Cleveland, Ohio. But it's right around this time where you open the door and you walk outside and it's 10 degrees again and the wind just is punching you in the face and you close your eyes and think about uh, a beach or the ocean or a pool and sunshine. Like that's a thing that you forget. Like you forget the sun exists. So it's really that middle of the winter malaise that we're almost out of. Like once March hits, you're still in the winter. You'll still have some wild snow, but at least you know that April is coming and May is coming and and you'll be out of it shortly. So hopefully listening to the rebuild warms you up inside enough that it's allowing you to break free of this thaw that uh, takes over at its worst at its worst in January, February. Um, as always, I am your host, Jordan Zerm. I am on Twitter at Cleve Zerm. Uh, I put out the call to, I had 99 people that had rated the rebuild. I asked for someone to be the 100th. I said I would mow their lawn, even though I absolutely probably will not mow their lawn. Uh, but you guys came through. It has like 110 ratings now. I very much appreciate that, even though that actually, I think, brought a couple haters into uh, my review section. But you know what? That's cool. If you don't have haters in the review section, then you're not doing the podcast right. So I'd like to take some time to thank my haters. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for writing mean things in the comments. I love it. Let's I, More of it fuels me. Um, I am really, I mean, I'm excited about every episode because doing this podcast is a lot of fun. But I am particularly excited for today's episode because I have a guest that I had been wanting to get on for a while, and he was kind enough to give me a half hour of his time and come with some really great insights and stories. It is ESPN's own Dan Orlovsky. He is a former NFL quarterback um, who you initially probably knew and he's he's such a good sport about it like he has such great humor about it it's even in his twitter bio as you know the detroit lions quarterback who uh ran out of the end zone on his own and got called for safety in a game and he uh, is can laugh about that now um he unfortunately had to go through an 0-16 season just like the browns went through an 0-16 season so we're, we're kindred spirits dan and the browns um but he when he retired in 2017, um, he started breaking down plays on Twitter, uh, breaking down clips of, of plays where, and he'll talk about this in the interview, but you know where a quarterback recognized a certain defensive coverage and they, they checked out of it. And he was saying that you know nobody was pointing this stuff out. So he took to Twitter and he started doing it and it blew up. He's great at it. Not only is he great at it, but he's also um, he's the energy he brings, like the love of the game that he brings for it. I think is one of the best things about uh, about what he does. It's not only the knowledge that he's bringing you, but um, yes, yeah, so he's doing a ton of stuff now. He's on Get Up in the morning on ESPN. Um, he's on Sports Center. I know he's done some NFL Live stuff, so you, you'll see him all over the place. Um, he's really become one of my favorite follows and one of my favorite sort of media personalities because. Uh, if you follow him, you will learn a ton about the game of football and 
seeing as how the Browns are now a legitimate, honest-to-God NFL football team, um, he's going to be doing plenty of, of breakdowns of the Browns as we move forward. So he is somebody that you should absolutely follow. He is at Dan Orlovsky7 on Twitter. So shoot him a follow. Uh, and yeah, I was uh, thrilled to get him on for a little bit of his time. He was kind enough to to do that with me. So uh, let's just get right into it. This is my conversation with ESPN's Dan Orlovsky. This is The Rebuild. Enjoy. All right. Well, I'm very excited to welcome in uh, my next guest. It is Dan Orlovsky, who is now doing a lot of great stuff for ESPN in terms of football analysis. He's on Get Up. You'll see him on NFL Live. You'll see him on SportsCenter. Um Dan, what is going on? Thank you so much for for joining me. And I know the NFL season has ended, but it seems like you're still. Every time I'm looking up, I was out last. I was out last night at a bar having a beer around six o'clock, and I look up, and you're on my television screen. So it seems like it hasn't really slowed down at all for you. Well, it hasn't. Uh, thankfully, for for people who are involved in the NFL, it is a thirteen month a year thing. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, it's been a good week with Kyler Murray and Antonio Brown to kind of be talking about the NFL. So it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a really fun year. For sure. And, you know, it's funny because, and I think you tweeted about this too, but like while all this NFL Super Bowl stuff was going on, the NBA sort of had this explosion of uh, Anthony Davis making a trade demand and all these trades were going down. And we've kind of been joking yeah. about like they wouldn't let the NFL have their one biggest weekend of the year. But the NFL sort of in these last like week or so sort of has bounced back with the amount of news that's coming out with some of the guys you just mentioned. No doubt. It was Super Bowl week and Porzingis and Anthony Davis. And I was like, dang, hoops, can, can, can the NFL have their week? And, you know, now that I'm, I'm not a player and I'm in the, the media world, it really is fascinating in, in, in just the, the business and the fan attention world, how the NFL has truthfully spaced itself out where it is 12 months a year where, you know, they, they've put the, the free agency at a good time and then they put draft at a good time and then all season workouts at a good time. So it's, it has, it, the, the, whoever, has controlled the NFL schedule has done a nice job of really making it year-round uh, information and and in a year-round product. Yeah, no, they absolutely have, and it has been fascinating to watch, and especially with this off season, especially kind of with Antonio Brown and sort of how he's used social media sort of as a way to kind of get his messaging across. It's just very fascinating how. Um, players have really sort of har- in, in multiple leagues. Players have really sort of harnessed um, the power that they've sort of realized that they have, and I think we're seeing that both in the NBA and the NFL, which is really, uh, which is really fascinating. Dan, um, you know, I'm curious for you because I-, I would love to know. You know, obviously, a lot of people sort of noticed your your work when you were breaking down clips on Twitter, sort of just you kind of filming some clips you had on your laptop and you were doing some work in terms of breaking them down. When did, like, was that something where after you retired, you knew or you had an idea that you wanted to do? Like, how did that sort of come about where you just decided to sort of sit down and start breaking down clips? No, I, I, that was not a plan. That was, uh, I got done playing, you know, about September, really week one, of the 2017 season, and I knew I wanted to get into being an analyst and, and broadcasting and whatnot, but I was at the time uh, very aware, like, all right, it's it's already in football season. No network is just going to come knocking on my door and going, hey, you know, let, let's do something. And I'm not wired to just sit around. I, I can't. I get, 
you know, I've got to be doing and working and, and whatnot. And so I had some conversations with people that I had known and a guy uh, that is probably a, a name familiar to many people, Ross Tucker, and I were talking and, you know, I was doing some stuff for Ross and he was like, the big thing is, Dan, you need to find out what your niche is. Like, find out how to, to separate yourself. And so it was a Sunday night football game and it was the Panthers versus the Dolphins and later in the game and the Dolphins kind of blitzed everybody at Cam Newton. Zero blitzed them, all out blitz and playing man coverage and Cam saw it before the snap and made a check to a wide receiver screen. A couple seconds later it was a touchdown and I was like, that was sweet. That was so cool that he saw it, and he did it, and he turned it into a math equation. And during the broadcast, they're not talking about it. No one's talking about you know, why that was cool or why that was a touchdown or how it happened. And I kind of voiced that to my wife, and she was like, you should just make a video and put it on you know, the Internet. And this was at a time where I thought social media was stupid. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And um, – so a couple of minutes later, I'm like, all right, why not? So I take my phone, I towards, turn it sideways, I mute the television, and I just replay the game a couple of times and kind of freeze it and point out what happened. And I posted it on Instagram and Twitter and went to bed. And woke the next morning, and it had, it had gone relatively viral. And in that moment, I was like, that's my niche. And so I just, from there, started to break down quarterbacks or offenses and kind of just used – really Twitter uh, in the television or my computer in my finger as the kind of telestrator and it just grew from there and that's what opened doors to radio spots and then some television networks asking me to come on and hey can you do that on the show and that's what led to some auditions and you know offers from networks and that's really fascinating to me because I think when you say you know like during broadcast when things like that are happening and when you're sort of identifying you know a quarterback seeing a coverage and making a check to sort of manipulate that coverage and how it doesn't get talked about on the broadcast it's always interesting to me because it doesn't seem for years it didn't seem like anybody cared like i i remember always watching broadcasts and being like what am i getting from these broadcasters what are they telling me about this game that i don't know already and so i'm curious for you like have you seen a shift in, I guess, sort of the NFL's fans' appetite for the stuff that you're doing, for a guy that is able to sort of break down the game on a level that, um, you know, is really what football is sort of all about rather than some of these generic things that you're sort of used to hearing from the broadcast? Like, have you found through your work and responses to that that there has been a, an increase in that sort of desire for that knowledge? Oh, huge. I mean, huge. I mean, I look at, this is not like a, a brag thing, but when I posted that video with the Dolphins, I had about a 1,000 Twitter followers. I have 70,000 now. And that is, again, that is not to say, like, me, but it, it shows fans like that stuff. Like, fans want to know that stuff because fans are smarter nowadays than they've ever been. Uh, they're, they're more educated. There's easier access they want to know whys and hows, and I think the reality is, although I'm an ex-player and, you know, I've played in the NFL for a long time, that if I find a play cool, other people are going to as well. Just because they weren't ex-NFL players doesn't mean that they're not going to find part of that play cool. And so 
in a way, I've shifted my mind in, in some aspects to being a fan. And so when I watch stuff and I go, dude, that's super cool, it's likely that people watching the game probably thought something along those lines. They just don't know why it was cool or how it was cool. And that's where, you know, a, someone like me comes in and accentuates it. So I absolutely think that fans wanted more and appreciated more and desired it more because it makes them like it even more. It makes them like the player more. It makes them like the team more because they're more intellectually invested. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. And I think that, um, especially through Twitter, it really is amazing to me to watch sort of how you and, you know, there's a couple other people I follow that are really good at sort of breaking down that film as it's happening. And it's, and it's really sort of opened up, because to me, like, when I was younger and I was watching football, I didn't understand how intricate and how complicated the game is. And now that's become, like, my favorite thing about football is just how it's like this... You know, everybody says the cliche, it's like a chess match, but the back and forth and the scheming and all of those things, like that to me is what makes football so fun. And so it's been cool to sort of watch that become a bigger talking point over the, even just in the past few years. Whereas when I was younger and you have no idea that there's this layer going on, like beneath the surface of just this back and forth between the offense and the defense. Well, I think it, it allows football that is a game of uh, rare. I mean, it's rare people physically they are the one percent of the history of the world more often than not it allows that the game that they play the competition that they're in the battle whatever people want to categorize it as it makes it relative to people who, who don't look like them that did not play football but still love football because to your point maybe there's some people who do Think of it as just a chess match. And so the more that they can see that, the more they like it. Maybe it's a math thing where people see the math part of it. Maybe it's a conditioning thing. There's so many different aspects of it that the more that you can get people to understand that, the more they feel a part of it. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's really fun to be a part of. For sure. And sort of last thing before we kind of talk a little Browns, but, you know, so you've, a lot of what you've been doing lately, too, is being on uh, on Get Up and uh, on ESPN. Now, Get Up uh, starts very early in the morning, and I'm, I'm assuming that you have to get up even hours earlier before that. I know probably as a as, as, as a quarterback in the NFL that you were used to early mornings and, and long days, but I, I've always been terrible at getting up super early in the morning. So, Dan, do you, do you have any – what is like Dan Orlovsky's tips to uh, getting up super early? Because you always have so much energy when you're doing those breakdowns. And so what is Dan Orlovsky's like two or three tips to uh, becoming a super-duper early morning person? Um, well, you know, part of it is, is again, I played football my whole life and quarterback, so I've been getting up early my whole life. Um, part of it is that I, I have seven-year-old triplets, so I haven't <laughs> slept in a long time anyway. Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest and, and just keep it real. Like, there's a couple reasons why. One, one of my keys is I do not set multiple alarms. Uh, I set one alarm, and... When the alarm goes off, I get up immediately. I don't sit, in, I don't lay in bed for five or ten seconds. And some people may, my wife rolls her eyes at me about it, but I don't give myself a get out of jail free card. It's my alarm goes off, and I get up at the time I need to get up. Uh, the second thing is, in reality, if if I'm not willing to get up, there's going to be somebody who is. 
and that's a little cliche or old school, but if I'm not willing to wake up and do the work, they're going to find somebody who will. And so uh, th- that is a, to the core, kind of part of what allows me uh, to get up in the morning. And then the reality is, like, honestly, man, I have a lot of fun. Like, I have a lot of fun doing it. I think football is so much fun. And when I get a Twitter message from somebody going, dude, that play breakdown was sweet, or, man, that I, 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 I love that you pointed this out, or I never knew that, like, that is adrenaline to me in a way too and so uh, I, I really really enjoy have I enjoy doing it I have a lot of fun doing it it's not it's not something that is difficult for me for sure yeah and I think that comes across um, you know obviously when watching you do those Thank breakdowns um, yeah I, I think the one thing that I I always have tried to do and have been terrible at is that one alarm thing is getting up right when your first alarm goes off and not being like all right I'll set one more or I'll set two more like that is one that I always the night before I'm like all right I'm gonna do it this morning and then I find myself snoozing yeah. my alarm three times football helps me I mean football I, I played football since I was nine years old I had a head coach in high school that didn't play games I had had a head coach in college that didn't play games and so uh, I, you know I've got 25 years under my belt of getting up in the morning, so it's it's not a it's not a struggle for me. I get up for get up. I get up about that's a lot of get ups. Um, <laughs> I wake up at about 3 a.m. for it. So um, I'm also a person. If I get like five hours of sleep, I'm good. So I'm I'm fortunate in that regard. For sure. All right, I want to take a quick break from the conversation to tell you about a couple of our sponsors, and we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. You can go to harrys.com slash bluewire right now to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes the following. A five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shaving gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3, and that is shipped right to your door. Guys, enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Because Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, and Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. Also, I know life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family, and in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress, and getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos, get your free instant quote, and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com, that's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com. Again, that is getethos.com. Now, let's get back to the conversation with Dan Orlovsky. Cool. Well, Dan, quickly, we'll we'll uh, shift over to some Brown stuff, and, um, you know, obviously... The biggest sort of news story from from this past week is, you know, the Kareem Hunt signing by by John Dorsey, and um, you know, I think I think something that 
there was that obvious connection between Dorsey and Kareem Hunt as he was the the guy that drafted him in Kansas City. Um, I think there was some surprise, especially here in Cleveland, um, that it that it happened so quickly, sort of after everything that went on with Kareem and. Um, you know, he was, I believe he was released by Kansas City at the end of November. So it had really only been a few months. Um, I, I'm sort of curious just for you and a guy that's been in locker rooms um, and sort of knows sort of a mindset of a locker room when maybe somebody kind of comes in that has had some stuff in their background that you can be unsure of. But I, I, I was just curious, like what your thoughts were about kind of John Dorsey making that making that move sort of so soon after after everything kind of came out. Yeah, I mean, I have a little bit of a, a unpopular opinion to some people. Uh, I'm, I, I was incredibly disappointed in it. I know John Dorsey just a little bit uh, from our time. We, went, we He played at UConn, and that's where I went to school. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. My, my, my thing is this. I, I was taught, amongst other things, as a, a young athlete that, you know, when, when you're when you do things really good, you're, you're great at something or really good at something better than other people, you can't do things that other people can because you have more at risk. You have more on the line. And so you can't make some choices that other people can. And Kareem Hunt it was one of those people who did things better than other people. And he, he can't make choices that other people can and, and not have to deal with different consequences. And so I, I, I'm under the belief that Kareem Hunt should have never played in the NFL again. And uh, that is not a, man, this guy doesn't deserve a second chance. He absolutely does, just not in the NFL. Uh, man, he doesn't deserve to make a living. He absolutely does, just not in the NFL. And also, he can do something else other than playing football to make a living. I'm not going to minimize him to just a guy, a guy who could just play football. Um, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people go, but what happens if he was a lawyer or a, a doctor? There's a lot of law firms in the world, and there's a lot of hospitals. There's one NFL. And it's an incredible honor and privilege to play in it. As a, as a young athlete, I, I was also taught, uh, and I, I learned a lesson, you know, we have this there is the stereotype that's accurate that athletes, or if you're great at something, you can you can you'll get you'll get breaks, you'll get more chances than other people. You can get away with more, and this is just another example of that. Is Kareem Hunt, because he's a really good running back, gets away with more because if he was an okay to below average back, he wouldn't have been signed. And so, uh, I would have just liked to see the NFL. For once and for all, not worry, not, not consider what happened in the past with other people's mistakes. Just because they did it doesn't mean we all can. But I would have loved for the NFL to draw the line and make it very black and white of this no longer is something that is up for discussion or suspension. When there's video evidence of a domestic violence, you're no longer allowed, and, and we are going to separate ourselves from that. So for those reasons, that's why I would have said, Kareem Hunt, you're, you're not allowed to play in the NFL anymore. And so I was disappointed in it. Yeah, and, you know, even, 
my whole thing was too because when I, I tweeted a little bit about this, yeah, a lot of the stuff I kind of got back in in my mentions were well, something you mentioned too. Well, you know, don't you believe in second chances? And you're gonna what? We're gonna ban him from the NFL forever? And like at the very least, for me, it was like he can have a second chance, but not three, four months after, you know, this initial thing, even if you believe that, yes, he should have a chance to play in the in the NFL again, which I think maybe I come out on that side. But at the very least, this feels like it's been no punishment at all. This feels like there has been no sort of retribution or time for him to even really process or understand something that he did. So that to me is always crazy. It's just how soon it happened to me makes me very uncomfortable. And so, well, I, it, I, yeah, go ahead. I think there's the reality, too, is, and again, I'm a little old school. I get that. But look, there's a reality, too, that there's high school athletes and there's college athletes watching this situation. And I'm not saying this is the case for all of them, but in some, you might be sending the message that kind of talked about. If you're really good at something, you'll get away with it. Like, your punishment isn't going to be as severe as it would be for somebody else or somebody who's not as good as you. And this only accentuates that uh, that theory, that stigmatism, that stereotypes that follows athletes. And so uh, I just I, – I, there, there's nobody that's going to sit there and talk me out of how I feel about it. I understand people are going to disagree with me, as they should, or, or respectfully have the opportunity opportunity to but this has nothing to do with second chances or opportunities to earn a living so uh you can still do that and not play in the nfl um yeah for sure i i absolutely see where you're coming from with that um you know, we'll, we'll flip it over a little bit to, you know, obviously there's been, uh, and you have definitely touched on a lot of, you know, what Baker Mayfield did as a rookie and, and the excitement that's here in Cleveland and sort of looking forward with him in an offense that, you know, is now going to be headed by Freddie Kitchens and have some, uh, you know, Todd Munkin coming over from, from Tampa Bay. So, you know, I, I did want to ask you, for your the one thing that Baker Mayfield did as a rookie that maybe impressed you the most, and then the one thing that you think he's going to need to really sort of hone in on and work on in year two when teams are sort of going to have a full off season, a full season of tape to really have learned some of his tendencies. Yeah, I'd say you know there's probably one thing on and off the field. You know, the the thing off the field that is most impressive was. Now, he was in a crappy situation there early on. Like, it was, for a rookie, that's a really, really unfortunate, you know, role to be thrust in and not a good situation and not getting snaps in the preseason with the starters and then some tough losses and coach is going to get fired and obviously there's some turmoil there and whatnot. Like, that's a really crappy situation and that he handled it and it never seemed to become really much of anything of an issue. I'd say the biggest thing on the field that, and I had said this last year leading up to the draft about Baker Mayfield, but to see it uh, kind of show itself in NFL games is uh, he is incredibly accurate. Uh, And I've kind of phrased it as NFL accurate. There's every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. I mean, there's a lot of people who are accurate. NFL accuracy is putting the ball in the right shoulder instead of the chest or six inches out in front of the receiver instead of on his face mask. He's got NFL accuracy, and that showed this year. And that would be the, the, the thing that excited me the most. If I was a Browns fan, I'm not, but I, I'm a Baker Mayfield fan, so that's what excites me most about him. 
is that trans like that carries over that doesn't go away like you know you, that, that doesn't all of a sudden fade away from somebody's game uh, what does he need to grow on and, and develop in and I continue to the, the guys that become really good uh, they don't change they just master uh, or, or, or get very close to it so he needs to be on that 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 path of mastering everything the big things of timing and anticipation seeing windows understanding coverages uh, uh, what guy's good at what what guy's not good at what allowing your, your play to kind of help your guys' skill sets. And then even little things, mastering the huddle, mastering the no huddle, uh, your voice inflection, cadence, you know, handling you know, wins, handling losses, handling bad performance, all those things, you know, continuing to grow and raise their standard. Seven and eight and one was a really good year this year. Uh, Handling success and expectations are, are going to be vastly different this year. That'll be something that he'll really need to grow on as well. And then I love the edge that he plays with, um, but it's an edge. And uh, you, as a quarterback in the NFL, you know, certainly a little bit of a different wave going on, but making sure that you don't go too far, you know, too far with the personality and the moxie and the, cockiness and the ego which i love and, and it's great and makes don't go too far you know because being loud in the nfl as a quarterback spot it exposes you a little bit so uh just making sure he, he continues to walk on that edge for sure and then you know i another reason for sort of my excitement i know a lot of people um kind of covering the game as well are excited because well one sort of what what freddie kitchens was able to do with the offense when he took over and then you know obviously being named uh the head coach moving forward but i i'm also very intrigued by somebody i mentioned earlier by by todd munkin and and what he's done from his time at southern mississippi to what he did um at oklahoma state with brandon whedon and justin blackman to what he did with that passing offense in tampa bay and you know he's got some aggressiveness to him he's got some air raid roots to him and i I, i'm i'm very intrigued by sort of how his sort of offensive philosophy is going to marry with freddie kitchens and baker mayfield for for you and dan i don't know how much you know about sort of ted munkin and and his offensive sort of philosophy but like just on a on a surface level from what you saw from freddie kitchens what he did with baker and what todd might be able to sort of bring with him even if he's only in cleveland for a year uh, what do you sort of envision that offense might look like with the personnel that the Browns have now? Yeah, I mean, it's a word that I and I, I, I know of Martin well and, and kind of places he's been and, and the successes that he's had. I actually thought he would get a head coaching job this year. Um, you know, the word that I've used for some teams this year, and I think it'll be a big part of what the Browns, multiple, the Browns are going to be, I expect them to be multiple in so many different ways, multiple with their personnel, multiple with their formations, multiple with their pre-snap shifts, and so <clears throat> multiple with their matchups. I really look for that uh, marriage of, you know, uh, run game, looks like run game, pass game, looks like shot game, looks like screen game. I mean, just uh, all the different variables or varied stuff that they're going to get to kind of, you know, starting, not starting, but really looking like an offense that is constantly dictating uh, to the defense 
with their multiplicity of personnel and formations. For sure, uh, and I think that's I think that's a little bit of, of what Freddie started to do when he was given the reins yeah. and sort of running you know running different things off similar formations. I think he did a really uh, fun job with that. And um, do you? I, I guess finally with this Brown stuff, like Dan, do you see especially now because you know it looks like Antonio Brown will not be with the Steelers. That means they're not going to have Le'Veon and Antonio. Um, you know, with the with the Ravens, obviously they have a, a great defense, and and I I'm higher on Lamar Jackson than maybe the, the most people are, but I think he's going to be great. I think he'll need some time, but you know the Ravens are still a force to be dealt with. But the Bengals are sort of on uh, maybe the downside of what that team was over the past few years. I mean, where do you see in terms of the Browns' ability to kind of compete for that division title next year? Is that is that a realistic thing? Is that something that that Browns fans should expect next season? Oh, it's absolutely realistic. Um, expect, I think that you can be hopeful of, you know, as, as good of a year as they had and as, as as good of young pieces as they have, they still are a young football team and they still have a technically brand new staff in many ways. And so how does that staff mesh and work together? And how does Wilkes come in and, and handle the defense and how does it respond to his scheme and coaching and philosophies? That is a, a very real question. Uh, and now that Freddie is the guy, it's, it's different. So uh, I'm not discounting Pittsburgh too good of an organization, too good of a quarterback. And to, to kind of just believe that they will not be in the conversation and make sure that they are heard. But yeah, it's, if I was a Browns fan, I've said this. I'd be as hopeful as I've ever been. And it, a lot of it is because of the team, no doubt, but a majority of it is because of the quarterback. And so it, it, it's, a, it's a very, very good time to be a Browns fan. And you could, I would say that if if not a, a division title, you certainly the last couple of weeks of the, the season, you'd expect to be in the race. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun, exciting, sort of thrilling 2019 season, which, you know, I think Browns fans haven't had a lot of years where they've really been able to look forward with, with excitement and sort of hope for the for the upcoming season. And this is uh, one of those times where um, I think that's... Uh, absolutely something that they'll be doing. Um, Dan, just before I let you go, I had to ask you this because I was listening to, um, I believe it was a podcast you did with uh, with Sarah Spain. And this was so interesting to me because you said when you were um, taking some of your college visits as you were trying to figure out where to go, that you went to uh, visit Purdue and Drew Brees was your uh, was your host, and I I need to know what a a young college like at the peak of his powers, Drew Brees was like. Like, what was that experience like being hosted on a Purdue tour by Drew Brees? Yeah, uh, a lot like he is now. Like, really, really good dude and nice. And um, I I don't know if I shared this story on the podcast with Sarah or not, but I remember I was on the visit and. Uh, in the middle of the visit, he was like, I, I want to go to the, the indoor facility and work out. I'm going to with you and whatnot. And he did a throwing workout. And I swear the receiver's name is Chris Daniels. I, I could be wrong with this, but he threw with this receiver named Chris Daniels. And I was like watching it throw, and I was like, 
this dude, like, he doesn't miss. Like, I'm not talking, oh, that was a good throw. Like, you, it's, it was like he was running out and get, handing the ball to the receiver exactly where, like, you wanted to throw it. And I was just like, as a high school kid, just marveling at the accuracy and the consistency of where he was placing the ball to his receivers. And I just walked away going, like, oh, my goodness. Like, that is really, really impressive. Uh, and so that – it was a, it was a fun visit. I almost went there. Kyle Orton committed before I could. Um, but uh, it, it was certainly a place that w- was high on my list. That's a, that's a very cool story, and I can only imagine um, – yeah, see, you know, because he's a guy, like you mentioned, like with Baker, who just has that type of accuracy that's just unbelievable, some, yes. of, those, some of those throws. So I can only imagine what that was like seeing him kind of doing that on the cause level, and obviously that's, that's translated for it. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. Um, you, can, you guys can follow Dan at DanOrlovsky7 on Twitter. Uh, I will be very excited to sort of watch your breakdowns of the Browns this next coming season and everything else that you do. So, Dan, thank you so much. I appreciate it, bud. Thanks, man.